Hello and welcome to Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, or just Dr. Book for short. I'm a community pharmacist and an herbalist dedicated to serving my clients in the best way that I know how. I'm bringing you this podcast to share with you like-minded pharmacists and herbalists that want to work alongside each other and share similar visions for patient care. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I hope you're still staying safe out there and quarantining safely as well as social distancing. And I also hope that you have been coping with the emotions that might be coming on right now with overwhelm and anxiety and panic and fear of the unknown. Um, I'm here with you. I'm also on one of the front lines in retail pharmacy. So, you know, we all have to just hang in there and strengthen and build our own immune systems and hope for the best. That's all we can do and move forward. Uh, So I also wanted to offer some guidance on how to update your medicine cabinet for more natural remedies and alternatives that you can have on hand and you can find that at um, instagram.com slash fork you can click on the link there and you'll get my guide for free and with any questions or inquiries as always you can email me marina at rawfork.com I'm also thinking about going into season three of my podcast and looking for a new theme music. So if you have any suggestions, please type in the comments or send me an email or head on to my website, rawfork.com. All right, so today I had the pleasure to chat with the lovely Lara Zacharia, aka the foodie pharmacist. Lara is a functional pharmacist and clinical nutritionist based in New York City. A graduate of the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy at Rutgers University, she spent 20 years in community pharmacy practice. After developing an interest in nutrition, she earned an MS in nutrition from the University of Bridgeport and then qualified as a certified nutrition specialist, as well as an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner. Lara currently practices as part of a multidisciplinary functional medicine practice and supervises a professional mentorship program for nutrition at FXMed. Lara is passionate about prevention and reversal of metabolic and autoimmune disease and working with pharmacy professionals to leverage their unique expertise in medication management, drug-to-drug nutrient interactions, and genomics to optimize patient, medical, and nutritional program. Learn more at www.larazacaria.com or follow her on Instagram at the foodie pharmacist. All right, welcome to the episode and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Raw Fork podcast. I have with me today Dr. Lara Zakaria. She is a master of all fronts, pharmacy, nutrition, functional medicine, you name it. So I'm just going to hand over the mic to you and uh, find out where you come from, where you grew up, where you went to pharmacy school, and just a brief intro about yourself. Well, thank you so much for the kind introduction. Um, So I 
uh, grew up actually um, abroad. I, I grew up in Damascus, Syria uh, for my early childhood um, and then moved to New Jersey and officially got my uh, Jersey girl status. Um, in northern Jersey. Uh, so I ended up, <laughs> I'm very proud of it. Uh, so I ended up going to Rutgers for pharmacy school. Um, and uh, I did retail pharmacy for uh, the bulk of my um, pharmacy career. At some point during that, uh, I became a little disenchanted, uh, a combination of my own health issues. Um, in my mid-20s, I was starting to experience uh, GI issues, uh, uh, joint pain, what was essentially felt like early arthritis at the ripe old age of 26. Um, and after being dismissed by my doctor and not feeling like I wasn't really getting an answer, I think I started to open myself up to alternatives. And I think as most pharmacists probably can relate to this, you know, you're sort of taught that things should work a certain way, that if you are diligent and that if you are compliant with medication and that if you um, check off certain boxes, that you should ultimately be healthy. And that didn't seem to line up with the experience I was having in my own health. And then I was then starting to look at my own patients that were coming into the pharmacy, you know, month after month, year after year compliant on their medication. At the time, CVS had rolled out a compliance program. So we're really making sure that our patients were compliant. Mm -hmm. And yet they kept not getting better. They seemed to at best stagnate and be managed on their medication, but they never seemed to turn a corner and improve. And it sort of created a cognitive dissonance for me. I'm like, well, if medication is supposed to improve your health, why aren't they getting healthier? Why are they then eventually going on higher doses and another medication and a third medication and still not seeing that improvement to their, uh, to their health and most importantly to the quality of their life that they were looking for. Um, in fact, I remember there was this one patient that used to call me all the time. Um, everybody sort of knew her as being chatty. The woman was basically homebound. Um, she was in her mid forties, was a mom, um, married, um, but was completely debilitated by Lyme disease. Now, back then, this is about 15 years ago at this point, um, I knew even, knew even less about Lyme disease than what we know now, which is still sort of a pathetically small amount that we, that we fully understand. Um, and I just remember one of the things that she would say at the time was that she felt unheard. She felt like people thought that she was making it up. She felt like she was a hypochondriac. And I, I recall when she would call, and I feel like for her, that reaching out to the pharmacy with her question or whatever was that she, her refill that she needed or her request she wanted me to convey to the doctor was her lifeline. It was a way for her to connect with somebody who understood what she was feeling, who could be compassionate for her, and that could advocate on her behalf. And that started to shift my perspective, even before I understood functional medicine, it started to shift my perspective in terms of what our role really is. And it's that patient advocacy piece that I think has fueled me to explore what else we could be doing for our patients, how we can leverage our training, how we can really capitalize on our communication skills, 
and then use that in service of our patients and how we treat them. And that's what ultimately drove me to explore nutrition and fall in love with nutritional biochemistry and then to eventually um, go on to learn about functional medicine and to really dive into functional medicine and then how to bring that into pharmacy practice as well. Wow, awesome. That story makes me think of a few things. Um, so first of all, the patient that you described, you know, right now, I think all of us kind of are in the same situation being homebound because of social isolation and quarantines. So we can kind of relate, even if we are feeling healthy, that social isolation is an issue and you don't feel heard and you want to connect you know, and right now we're blessed that we can connect, you know, on video chats and things like that. But um, still, you know, people do feel lonely and loneliness as a social disease can impact their physical health. So that's a great point that you brought up. Um, and then secondly, I just wanted to find out what drew you to pharmacy in the first place? And, uh, you know, why is your mission? Your mission seems to be empowering patients to feel better and get a better quality of life. So why was that an important driving force? Yeah, you know, <laughs> the story of how I became a pharmacist, I think is a little, um, um, I don't think I ever as a little girl dreamed of being a pharmacist. I, I, I didn't like lie awake at night, like imagining myself putting on my CVS uh, lab coat or, you know, opening my own pharmacy or anything like that. That wasn't exactly um, what I was drawn to. I knew I, um, I knew I had a drive to help people um, and I knew I was good at science. And so I sort of, <laughs> I sort of had these ideas of, I was also a dancer um, back in the day. Um, I was a dancer. I've always been athletic. I was and am still a snowboarder. Um, and so I think all these things really drew me to physical, um, physical, like thinking about the body and how we can empower the body to perform a different, in a, in a, in a better way. And so I think that when I was first kind of starting out and in high school, I remember having conversations with my guidance counselor and thinking about what paths I wanted to take. I was thinking about things like physical therapy and, um, you know, maybe chiropractic or something like that. And I was always sort of holistically minded. Um, I've always been interested in food. I've always been interested in nutrition. Funny enough, at the time, nutrition never even occurred to me. Um, but I always sort of was driven towards what else can we do apart from this sort of standard of care. There's got to be more that we can do. And um, my guidance counselor at the time convinced me that I should go to pharmacy school. And so basically, you know, very logically sat me, I'm a very usually logical person. And so he sat me down and very logically walked me through all the reasons. He's like, Rutgers is close. It's in state tuition. Uh, you, uh, it's one of the best schools that you could go to for pharmacy. And then once you graduate with that pharmacy degree, you can then go on to graduate school if you want, but you'd have, and this is I think what really nailed it for me. You would have a job that was high paying and secure, and you would be able to pay for grad school. And I was like, you know what, that sounds reasonable. I can do that. I'd be helping people. It's a respected profession. And, uh, you know, it would be a great foundation for me, no matter what I decided to pursue in the future. And that part has proven to be true, actually. It's absolutely been a huge asset in terms of layering on 
biochemistry and nutrition and all the basic tenets of functional medicine, sort of in that underlying understanding things like uh, pharmacology, understanding the therapeutics, uh, the detoxification pathways, really having a deep understanding of uh, absorption and distribution has really been a tremendous benefit, which is part of the reason I think pharmacists are such an untapped resource. But what ended up happening for me was, is, was, was again, this, this sort of being thrown into this world that was very much by the rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you do this and this is the outcome. And not only did it necessarily not play out from a clinical perspective, as I sort of mentioned earlier, but it also from a financial perspective didn't work out the same way. Right. As we all know, a lot of us in the pharmacy profession, particularly independent pharmacies, um, as well as, um, you know, chain pharmacists, um, we're feeling the impact and the effect of the shift in our profession. Really, you know, we're sort of told that we're moving to this clinical position, you know, with the advent of PharmD and the training that goes along with that. We were told that we were a vital part of the multidisciplinary team. Um, but very few pharmacists really have that role. And, and, you know, 20 years later, here we are still sort of struggling for that right to be seen as providers. And then you think about the way that dispensing has changed and the dispensing model is starting to fail too. Uh, insurance reimbursements are abysmal. Pharmacies can barely make ends meet. And I truly believe that the only way out of this and to preserve our profession is to lean into our training. It's to lean into what we're strongest in, which is that clinical piece. It's, it's really taking our seat at that table and making sure that we're heard when it comes to that multidisciplinary conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And, you know, I think the public has been polled and have put a lot of trust and faith in the pharmacist. You know, they say like it's the number one trusted health professional by the public. But however, it still feels We're neck and neck with nurses. We're neck and neck with nurses. Nurses do a pretty good job too. <laughs> so but it's interesting that we're not really considered part of the team and a lot of time we're left out of the conversation for patient care and things That's like right. that. We don't have autonomy to to put in our input basically. We just dispense what is written. We in our state, at least, we can't change anything. We can't prescribe anything. You know, other states have different laws, but this is how it is in New York. And, uh, yeah. and I have a very similar story. Yeah, and, and furthermore, even if we want to think of a con- sorry to sorry to cut you off, but I was just going to add to that, that furthermore, even if we sort of make that initiative to call the prescriber to try to have that conversation, it's often met with a lot of resistance. Yeah. And so it, so it's like you're, you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you just put your head down and do the work, you feel unfulfilled and you're not leveraging your skills. And if you try to speak up, often it's met with a lot of resistance and, you know, it's, you, you're, you're sort of adding fuel to the fire. Absolutely. I feel um, the doctor, the prescriber often feels challenged. So even if our, you know, our initiative is to be helpful, they sometimes feel as if their authority is being challenged. 
And then another piece of the puzzle is also the insurance companies. And, you know, they have these people coming into the doctor's offices and doing like these advertisements or, you know, teaching them how to use new medications that are coming out. But that also plays a role in what's being prescribed. And then another piece yet is the insurance company that won't cover something that they're advertising nowadays. So, you know, the whole uh, thing is a bit convoluted and it just seems like money is is the driving force and not um, a best care model, you know. So, um, so it's a problem, but I think you and other pharmacists are definitely feeling it and um, carving their own paths. So I really commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We, we've got to do this together. We're in it together. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I just wanted to mention that I have a similar story to you because I also grew up abroad. And then I came and I um, studied pharmacy here because my parents logically sat me down and told me that this was a good role for a woman so that I could have a family, you know, not, not go to, to, to become a doctor because I was interested in health um, because that schooling is like twice as long. And so they said, this mm -hmm. is a good, like, you know, option. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have to deal directly with like emergency care or anything like that. Like some people, you know, are afraid of blood and that's why they don't become a doctor. That wasn't really the case for me, but you know, the hours are more, um, are easier to deal with, even though we have 12 hour shifts, sometimes they're still more flexible than being a doctor. You did, know, um, they, they, did they tell you, don't worry. <laughs> did you get the speech? The it's better for a woman and don't worry if you change your mind, you can always go back to med school. <laughs> And then they just, also just said, get through pharmacy school. You'll change your mind when you have a family. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you know, you could go on maternity leave, then you'll still have a job when you come back and things like that, which, you know, I really appreciated that it is, it, you know, it's a worthwhile income and things like that. And it's a respectful profession. But uh, once I was in pharmacy school, I wasn't going to just quit, you know, then I was like, all right, now I have to finish this degree. I'm not going to just like transfer my major. <laughs> I'm just going to stick out these six years. And, and yep. I also a dancer. I can relate to that. <laughs> oh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still dance and do yoga and yeah, also very into fitness. So we have that in common. Um, so That's awesome. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about um, transitioning into this other role that you carved out for yourself? Like, did you do part-time work and part-time schooling? Um, and how did it all work out for you? Um, so it's been a long road. Um, I didn't do part-time anything, to be honest with you. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of intense work for, you know, pretty, pretty carved out periods of time, if that makes sense. So when I first decided to go back to grad school, at the time, I was a manager at an independent pharmacy. I was a pharmacy manager at an, at an independent pharmacy. And um, I basically had the opportunity there to start doing a little bit more integrative practice and bringing in more health coaching, talking about food, diet, lifestyle, et cetera. And it happened to be in a sort of underserved area as well. And so the conversation there was really different in that I wasn't exactly, I didn't have the luxury to talk about like juicing and, you know, being able to buy organic all the time and that kind of thing. We really had to get down to what the essentials were. And I think that was part of what sparked my interest not only in motivational interviewing and really like the coaching aspect 
of um, nutrition, but also in what does it really take? What, what's the basic foundational tenets? What do I have to, if I had only a handful of things that I could recommend, what do I have to lean into? It's a little bit what also sparked my interest in public health um, because of especially in lower income areas and access is a big piece um, of the healthcare epidemic. So we can't forget that. Um, and that, so, so with that, I sort of decided to go back uh, to get my master's in nutrition. I went to grad school um, full-time while I was working full-time in a pharmacy. And I, what I did as much as I could was try to incorporate what I was learning into my day-to-day -day practice at that time. So I actually started my company during that period. I started blogging during that time. Um, and I started increasing my presence on social media. It was puny, but you know, I was trying. And so from there, once I graduated um, from that program, uh, I got super lucky. Um, so in order to get a CNS, uh, which is a specialized nutrition specialist certification. It's sort of the alternative path to be a nutritionist um, versus an RD. Uh, you have to have a graduate degree in nutrition. Um, you need to have passed their comprehensive exam. Um, and then you need to also complete a thousand supervised hours. So uh, as I was completing my master's program, I started to lay the foundation for getting some experiential hours. And I was super fortunate to be able to land in offices of um, both conventional and integrative practitioners. Um, I actually did a rotation at Columbia University in the nephrology department. Um, they actually, it was, it was un. It was it, it, being that I was coming from a sort of unconventional path versus being an RD. Um, I think my being a pharmacist really helped me land that role as a um, as a trial uh, liaison. And so I my job was essentially to interview kidney patients for a food based trial. They were looking at dietary inter interventions that would impact outcomes in kidney disease and dialysis. Um, so that was sort of my first foot in the door to uh, my later interest in kidney disease. So that's a little foreshadowing for you. Um, I also then landed in an office of a, an integrative and functional practitioner uh, here in Manhattan. And then I eventually was introduced to Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, and I ended up um, finishing my uh, hours with her under her supervision. And then eventually, just as timing would have it, there was an opportunity for me to join their team. And so that's when I started splitting my time between pharmacy and nutrition. Um, I would say I was probably, for the majority of the beginning of that time, three quarters of the, three quarters of me was in pharmacy and a quarter of me was in nutrition. And the goal for me was to transition out of conventional pharmacy work and move more fully into functional medicine and nutrition. So I started during that time um, slowly edging over to spending more of my time in nutrition and functional medicine, and then getting my training in functional medicine to sort of solidify the whole thing. Um, then I eventually, you know, it, was, it wasn't until I was really solidly rooted in that world that I gave up my role on the bench at, at, at the pharmacy. Um, and it sort of just organically evolved. Um, it, it's, it's been challenging. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, this idea of having a side hustle is sort of popular. 
uh, right now. You know, everybody wants to have this little side gig. They've got their little, and I, and I don't want to discredit that. I feel like all for it, get your side hustle on, really put your energy into your passion. But passion is ultimately what drives your success. Um, and so if your passion is rooted in your side hustle, but you're only putting 40% or 30% into that passion, that's, you're going to feel like you're stagnating for a really long time. So keep as much of you, of you in the rooted, grounded work of your day-to-day steady paycheck. You know, save your money, make a smart business plan, think about alternative revenue streams and ways that you can merge and combine efforts that are synergistic and, and, and authentically overlap, and then gradually work towards moving into that that main passionate space that you really want to be in. I love that advice. Thank you. It makes so much sense. Um, because if you're if you're just investing a portion, a small portion of your time, then how do you expect to have any success in that? You know, you're showing up to work. Eight, Get out what you eight, put in. You're showing out to work eight, eight plus hours a day and then you're getting paid by the hour. But having a business works very differently because you have to put in the effort, Absolutely. not necessarily the time. And I want to add, yeah. Yeah, and sorry to cut you off again, but I wanted to also add, and this is important, that when you're splitting your time like that, when you are sort of trying to focus on that side hustle, but you're trying to be also dedicated to your patients and your main gig, it's very easy to lose sight of the importance of your role in that conventional space too. So from personal experience, I, I really struggled with that. You know, I really struggled with staying positive and really being 100% in for the patients that were relying on me, you know, that weren't, didn't have the luxury to be in the integrative and functional space for me, right? I still needed to dispense the correct prescription. I still needed to do my monitoring and do best care practices and all the other things that were involved in terms of managing my team and ensuring the success of the store and my employees. I still owed it to all of them. And so that's why it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's tough to strike that balance. So it's unfair to you and to everybody you're serving when you're trying too hard to split your time. So be mindful of that as you walk down that path. I don't want to discourage it, but be mindful. of it. Yeah. It makes me think of like sitting on two stools with one butt. <laughs> like we have, a, yes. we have a saying like that, you know? And so you can't do both you can't serve both equally as well, you know, by trying to split yourself in two. So one of them is going to suffer your lack of focus. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and right now it's actually a really challenging time. So I'm still in independent pharmacy myself. And uh, the counseling that happens nowadays is like, you know, we try to put up like a screen. We try to tell everybody to call us for counseling because we're trying to minimize contact. So right now is just like an ultra challenging time to to fulfill all of our pharmacist role. So um, exactly, yeah, it's it's hard. Um, but okay, I want to go back a little bit to your story. Um, so were you able to complete that degree online, and or was it an in person program? And then, in my second question, um, did the school help with selecting your practice sites, or was that all on your own initiative? 
Uh, it's a great question. So I did do an online program. There are some master's programs that are live. I actually, so I am in New York and I debated between the University of Bridgeport's online program, which was geared, which was and is geared more towards functional medicine and sort of that integrative approach, um, but very rooted in biochemistry, which really appealed to me. And the other alternative was Hunter College, which had a master's program that was also very well, highly rated, you know, very, very good program, um, was going to be cheaper because it's a local state school. And as you know, New York has actually really great subsidies for state schools. Um, and so I debated, I'm like, do I stay local, keep that, you know, live learning experience and do the more traditional route, which would actually allow me to go the RD route if I really wanted to, or do I really just put all my eggs in the functional basket and go in that direction and commit to a CNS? Um, and in the end, the flexibility of the online format, one hands down, um, I realized that it would mean less adjustments for me from a work schedule perspective. And remember, I was a pharmacy manager at the time, so I, I, I didn't have as much flexibility as I would have liked. They were, they were super great. Um, in terms of helping me actually get through this whole process. And I have to give them a shout out because um, the owners of that pharmacy and my staff and my colleagues were tremendous in terms of supporting me get through this. And that's really important too, is bringing them along on your journey. Um, but the, 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 the flexibility of online was really, really essential in terms of helping me do that. Now there's tons of programs out there. Um, it's since I graduated, there's been just this surge of interest in masters in nutrition in particular, and most of them will qualify you for a CNS if you want to go towards that route. There's also alternatives, by the way, if you hold a PharmD, uh, you don't necessarily have to complete a full master's if that's financially or from a time perspective not viable for you. You can actually fulfill bridge requirements, so you could take certain classes that are required by the CNS that sort of bridge your background in pharmacy to nutrition and then from there you you qualify to sit for the exam and then get your experiential hours so there is a alternative path for folks who don't necessarily want to do the full masters for whatever reason that they have um i forgot your second part of that question it was about the <laughs> rotations and, and the experience how, okay how sorry <laughs> um so uh, in terms of the experience hours um the CNS, the, the, the good and the bad simultaneously of the experiential piece for the CNS under the BCNS is that there isn't a organized rotation. Like pharmacists, we went through sort of an organized rotation that was set up by your school. RDs have a similar experience as well when they do their experiential hours. However, because not everybody necessarily goes for a CNS, it's not the standard path, um, that master's programs don't typically incorporate hours into the program. And it's not a requirement for graduation. So it's sort of um, up to you. If you do want to move on to get that CNS and you want the added experience, it's up to you to figure out how to get it. Now, that's a little annoying because it's yet one more thing you sort of have to organize, but with that comes a tremendous flexibility. So then you can sort of create your own adventure 
and decide who you want to work for, what setting you want to work for, the kind of experience you want. And then you could do a mix and match or you can really focus in one area. So let's say you're in an independent pharmacy and you're already doing a little bit of nutrition consulting. So you can essentially use that practice site and just find a mentor to work under and they could remotely supervise you in your existing practice setting. So that's sort of that bridging the two worlds together. It's gonna make your life a lot easier. You don't have to take time out of, out of your work setting to go to a rotation site externally to get that experience. So there's definitely a tremendous benefit to that model. Um, and there are some um, mentors out there, groups, programs. In fact, I work for one, for. Um, under, under Dr. Fitzgerald, I actually help manage one of our mentorship programs for people that are seeking a CNS. So there are groups like us that help to facilitate it in some way so that you can, you know, consider those as options as well. You're not completely on your own. Nice. So uh, did you have to look for these opportunities and research them yourself and kind of put your foot forward or are they just available and then you apply for them? I am a, a big believer in you attract to you what you put out there. And I think from the beginning, I started to sort of manifest the type of settings that I wanted. Um, I did have to do my own research. I relied on my network to help me land those positions and get recommendations so that I can get those positions. And so from that is I'm going to give you another tip that if you're moving down this road, whether or not you plan to pursue a CNS or not, this is networking matters. Who you know helps tremendously. Finding other like-minded people, whether they be pharmacists who are a little ahead of you on this road or nutritionists that you really admire um, or other clinicians that are doing work that you really love, start following them, start connecting with them, go to events. Um, there's tons of opportunities to go to educational events by ver various nutraceutical companies, lab testing companies, um, IFM, A4M. There's tons of space, um, spaces to go to and start connecting and making friends and networking because those ultimately are going to help. They're going to help with referrals. They're going to help you get feedback. They're going to help support you in business as well as in clinical questions that are going to inevitably come up as you walk down this road. Great. So how did you then uh, get any other credentials for functional medicine? And how, did, how do you practice today under Dr. Fitzgerald or maybe with her? I, I don't know how it works. I, I practice it under everything I do. It's sort of like functional medicine is up here and under is the umbrella for nutrition and, um, and pharmacy. Um, so I started learning about functional medicine actually through Metagenics. Metagenics used to do a lot of local events uh, here in Manhattan. So it was sort of the easiest thing that I could get to. Um, and I started to become very friendly with the rep that was in the area. She happened to be a nurse practitioner um, who was working for Metagenics. And I was one of the few pharmacists that was assigned to her area. And so we became very friendly and sort of in a similar capacity in, in the way that nurse practitioners are viewed and, and the way pharmacists are viewed. Um, so we, we definitely, we hit it off. Um, and then I eventually met another uh, rep from Metagenics and we also hit it off and we were sort of in a similar space in terms of business development and, and, and where we kind of saw potential in, in expanding um, functional medicine here in the city. And so with those connections, 
um, I started to go to their events. And the very first uh, event that I went to uh, was a certification called um, Lifestyle um, uh, First Line Therapy. That's what it's called, First Line Therapy. So it's Metagenics's lifestyle modification program specific, specifically to help address cardiometabolic disease. So it was like a two-day training where you walk through all the labs, you walk through all the potential, uh, you know, uh, food interventions, nutraceutical interventions, and you worked a little bit on coaching as well. And at the end of it, you got a certification in that program. And I thought, well, this is perfect. I could do this certification and then I could bring it right into my pharmacy. And that's an easy turnkey sort of approach for me to start working with my population of cardiometabolic disease patients, which was like everybody that walked that foot in that pharmacy. Um, and so that was my first, um, my first experience with functional medicine. And that's what really opened my eyes to what the difference was in the approach, what the different lens was that we were looking at the same data, but we were applying a different lens in how we interpreted that data. Um, from there, I eventually would get tapped into IFM. IFM is sort of like the granddaddy of the functional medicine. It's the gold standard of training. And in my humble opinion, it's sort of the certification that sets the bar for functional medicine. Um, and uh, once I started working under Dr. Fitzgerald, she's actually an educator for IFM. I, it sort of strengthened my resolve that that's the path that I wanted to take. Um, her being my mentor and obviously having the exposure to her training and seeing um, what she was doing uh, really inspired me to follow along similar footsteps. So uh, that's how I started out with IFM and I completed my certification a couple years ago. Um, and um, that to me has been uh, the biggest, I think, the biggest win in terms of helping me cement my functional medicine understanding. But um, I can't emphasize enough, you have to try to break it into your clinic. You have to somehow start to bring in that vocabulary into your day-to-day -day conversation and sort of start shifting the way you have those counseling sessions with people. And you'd be amazed when people find out that you have this other knowledge set, that they know, oh, that's the pharmacist that knows about nutrition. Oh, that's the pharmacist that thinks that I should, that I can eat better and, and lose weight and get off my statin. All of a sudden, you get a whole new cult following and uh, they are very loyal to you. Um, it improves your business bottom line uh, as well as improving outcomes at the same time. Nice. So what does your day-to-day -day look like nowadays? I mean, I would assume right now, nowadays is different, but in, in the, you know, usual, usual life. Um, there is no usual. Every day looks a little bit different. The one consistent thing is I typically see, see patients. Uh, I have a virtual model. Even prior to this um, shelter at home and quarantine, I've been in a virtual model. So I see patients virtually uh, three days a week. Um, I see patients exclusively through the clinic, and that was so that I could streamline my work. I wanted to dedicate a portion of my time to clinical work. I really love being part of an integrative team. I really appreciate it. Um, it helps me to cement my knowledge. I learn something every single day, um, and I think it improves my skills as an educator and as a clinician. And so I really enjoy that space. And so I've dedicated 
that under Dr. Fitzgerald's clinic. And then I also work on education programs. I do uh, general clinician programs as well as nutritionist-based programs uh, under our clinic immersion umbrella with Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. And then I also do pharmacy-specific training um, for um, pharmacists. So I'm in the process of developing some education um, for pharmacists that are interested in nutrition and functional medicine. And so my time is sort of split between content creation and research and writing and patient care follow-up and then mentorship. So um, every day is a little bit different. It's about splicing out time and, and getting really organized and figuring out, okay, this block of hour I've got to work on years and you know, call this person and address X, Y, Z. It's actually, it's really interesting. It's really fun. Um, it's very different than, than my pharmacy work was um, in that, you know, you never know what to expect. If you work the bench and you do retail pharmacy, you never know what the day is going to bring. Every day is basically a, a big fat surprise. But it's a big fat surprise because you, you sort of can't control who walks in your door. Whereas this, every day is different, but it's, something that I feel like I can build towards. It's something that I feel like I have a sense of, not control, because you never have control, that's, that's not possible, but it's a sense of something that, you know, if I do take these steps, if I do follow through this path, um, then I will at the very least know I've helped people, and I know at the very least I've sort of moved one step closer to that bigger ultimate mission of um, advancing our profession, and advancing functional medicine. Yeah, I love that. So in a sense, you have creative control because you you are the one creating the content. Um, so that's I'm, exactly right. I'm really interested in in the training programs, especially the pharmacy related ones. Do you want to make like uh, continuing education content, or is it more like pharmacists could? Um, could have like another certification under your courses or how, how's that going to look? Yes. And all of the above. So I've been trying to actually find out from pharmacists what they're looking for. Um, and not surprisingly, everybody's in a different place. And so everybody has different needs. So I'm working with um, some really brilliant people um, and some really great organizations to try to address those specific needs in a way that is, you know, sort of personalized to what somebody needs. So yes, there, we are thinking about a certification path. Yes, we're definitely uh, trying to include continuing education, but we're also trying to think of sort of smaller, more foundational introductory pieces and how we might best deliver those as well. Um, I think that depending on where you are, I think, I think um, the path to functional medicine for pharmacists, we're all on a continuum. Some of us are just hearing about it now and just sort of getting that, that light bulb turned on uh, that there is this alternative, that there is something that you could do that is either uh, can run parallel to or can be just very different and you can build it into whatever you want. And then there are folks that are on the other end of the continuum that have been doing this for years, have tons of experience, and are ready to mentor others. And so, and then there's everything in between. And so I think depending where you're on your continuum, you might be looking to be 
you know, just getting a little bit more of that foundation to really understand its value and the return on your time and financial investment. And for others, it's going to be, you know, I'm ready for this. Let's dive in. And how do we fill in the gaps of pharmacists being left out of the conversation in a lot of these cases? Um, and so that's, I think, what we're trying to do. Um, my, my group is called Pharmacy Evolution. What we're trying to do is essentially help pharmacists evolve into this role more organically and make sure that we are included in the conversation when it comes to functional medicine amongst physicians, nurses, dentists, and um, you know, PAs, etc. Wow. Well, I definitely want to keep up to date with all of those developments in pharmacy evolution. And I really want to thank you for your time today and your wonderful advice to any students or pharmacists that are interested in this path. So thank you so much. And if you just have one or two minutes, I have a last rapid fire round for you. <laughs> all right. Name, name one thing. What's the number one thing listeners can do to improve their quality of life right now? to improve their quality of life right now, considering that we, most of us, have had to make pretty significant shifts in our lifestyle because of COVID. Um, I think the first thing and most important thing, especially as a healthcare practitioner you can do, is to maintain your sanity. Uh, meditate, start a meditation practice, find an outlet that works best for you. A lot of the apps are giving away free um, mm. accounts to healthcare providers, look into the tapping solution. They're also another great um, alternative, really great thematic work that you, could be done there. And they're also giving away free um, membership to healthcare providers as well. Yeah, I saw that. Those are wonderful. Uh, what's a favorite pastime or a hobby for you? I'm going to go with snowboarding. I really, I'm, I'm super passionate about snowboarding. I've been doing it for about 20 years now. It was sort of the drug that I used to replace my dance drug. <laughs> um, so when I sort of started cutting back on dancing, I needed another intense hobby to physical activity to jump into. Um, and um, I'm super, super in love with snowboarding. If, if anybody knows me personally, you know I'm a little obsessive about it. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, our season got cut off um, because uh, all the mountains had to shut down due to quarantining. So it's a bummer. I'm really looking forward to next season. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm sure you'll kill it. All right. Um, what's your favorite beverage to drink? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> go big or go home. All right. Lastly, please tell everyone how they can get in touch with you, learn more about you, or... Um, just say hi. Yeah, absolutely. Please come say hi to me while I'm stuck here in my New York City apartment. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'm very active on Instagram, so that's probably the best and easiest way to get a hold of me and follow me and follow along with what I'm doing. You can find me at Foodie Pharmacist. That's Foodie with an F and Pharmacist with an F. Um, and, or just look for my name and I should pop up. I don't think there's a lot of Lara Zacharias out there. <laughs> um, and you can also visit my website, larazacharia.com, especially if you're a pharmacist or a nutritionist and you're really interested in education, biochemistry, sort of the breakdown of things. I have a very nerdy approach. And uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, 
uh, you'll get some updates as well um, and you'll be able to sort of keep in touch in terms of some of the educational opportunities and just some of the fun get together get togethers I do uh, occasionally um, just to round round up the nerds awesome awesome well I know I'll be signing up and looking out for them and I'll have everything in the show notes so again thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much this was really fun thanks Marina it's nice to talk to you all right bye-bye as always please send any questions inquiries requests to me my email is marina at rawfork.com or just go on my website rawfork.com leave me a note there Thank you and have a great week ahead.